Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) 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 Benny. Written by Candace Evans. Narrated by Persephone Rose. Alex had been pretty drunk the night he saw his father whispering into a guy's ear while a girl with white hair that shone purple in the black light stroked his back. One doesn't drink in moderation when the liquor is cheap and someone else is buying. He didn't trust his eyes seeing his father, Mark, a specimen in torn jeans, a tight-fitting graphic t-shirt, and wild hair that did not appear to be obnoxiously styled. The man, who might have been Mark, looked younger with a scar of deep cuts on the bicep that Alex never noticed before, but the smile was the same as the one on the man's face when his father gave gifts and encouragement. The white-haired girl, the buff jock guy, and his suddenly hip dad made their way to the exit, leaving Alex to swim in shots he'd taken for the evening. His staggered steps out into the night air only got him as far as the parking lot before Alex spewed drink specials on the cracked asphalt and watched his dad drive off with two strangers. Alex started coming home more often after that night. They were surprise visits when he came hauling laundry on Saturdays. 
He showed up to help his mother in the garden on weekday afternoons. He readily accepted dinner invitations. Each time he played the role of model son, his dad looked the part of mild-mannered accountant in his bland suits and polished shoes. Alex peered hard at this version of his father, trying to reconcile what he saw in the nightclub. He endured additional time at home, clearing his social calendar to drown in boredom until he found the nerve to confront his father. On the day his father came home disheveled and smelling of cheap girlish perfume, the rain began to fall. The place they lived was impossibly green with no real water source, but every three months the rain would fall for days, the worst of it lasting 17 days flooding the valley. Someone always died during the rainy season. The volunteer fire department would find people bloated in the cars that washed away. They would find people dead in sinkholes as the water began to dry up. They never found anyone in the reservoir, which was really a forest surrounding a large canyon of rock and a pitiful river that looked as though it had been placed haphazardly by a landscape hobbyist who didn't care about details. The river was so far below that breaking one's neck would have been the best outcome of landing in the water. As far as the stories went, if anyone ever did wind up in the reservoir, well, it was between them, the rocks, and the angels. Does mom know? Alex asked in a voice so quiet it hadn't been used at all since he became a man. (laughs) Know what? Mark laughed, spitting bitterness in the stinking air. You've been here keeping an eye on me? You caught me two months ago and you didn't say a word. Is it because deep down you know it doesn't matter? Why don't you just leave her? You're breaking her heart. Alex was finding his voice again. And why don't you tell her? It isn't so noble or satisfying to expose an open secret, is it? Mark spoke without the deflated bravado that came with being ashamed. I am doing what I need to. Mark sighed his explanation. Is this why we've seen so much of you? You are breaking her heart! Alex yelled. It doesn't matter, Alex. Your mother understands. Mark looked around the garage, removed his keys. Let's go for a ride. Tough subjects were tackled in the car, with the rule being that Alex didn't ask Mark where they were going. If the rule was broken, Mark, unlike most fathers, made good on his threat to turn the car right around toward home. They drove in silence through the fattening drops of rain undercut with crunch of gravel beneath the tires. The night was cast in an artificial orange light from the shift in tone of the reflector divots and streetlights to guide people home. It was still quite dark as civilization began to fade into the nothingness of an open road which faded into the gradual appearance of bushes that grew to shrubs that eventually became trees that touched the jaundiced unblinking eye of the moon. Alex lived in this place all his life, but was now nervous that he didn't recognize the road. Mark pulled the car behind a jagged boulder, got out to move the trunk. Alex saw his father change his loafers to a pair of hiking boots and hoist a large sack that rustled like paper, leaking new stains that looked purple in the night. Mark looked at Alex's feet. You need to be careful walking in those. Stay close to the wall, stay close to me, Don't touch any of the plants. 
They'll kill you. You have to be quiet no matter what you see. She doesn't know you are coming. Alex heard water flowing. The smell of rotten plants and something headier was so thick he could wear the stench on his skin. The kindliness in his father's voice and face were gone. I didn't know there was a way into the reservoir, Alex said, following Mark. Now you do. I hope you paid attention should you need to find your way back again. Mark was sure-footed, stepping down the narrow, winding path littered with rocks and chittering black bugs, which crunched under his feet. Alex nearly lost his footing, scraping against the quartz heavy wall of the rock. He could feel the skin he left behind from the palm of his hand. His legs began to burn, his breath stuck in his chest. He couldn't ask his dad to slow down, to wait. The way back was farther away, and the air and the rain became heavy. Mark ducked into a space among the rocks, running his hands along the edge. Once inside, the chamber led to a perfectly circular pool of still water so blue it could only come from nature glittering in the moonlight. Mark opened the sack, taking out a huge parcel wrapped in several layers of bloody butcher's paper. The thing, a goat maybe, was freshly skinned and still bleeding a little. Mark tossed the carcass into the pool, the blood staining the water with purple swirls. The ripples on the surface intensified as the meat bobbed for a moment before it was pulled down below. The chamber was quiet, save for the plinking of rain outside. Alex prepared himself to speak, but Mark stopped him by putting a single bloody finger to his own lips. The ripples appeared again as a monster broke the surface. Its face was hollow-cheeked, black-eyed, and had a large, smiling mouth with rows of sharp, serrated teeth. The body was that of a woman that was impossibly fit, its slick black skin cut with gills along the ribs. It had long black hair and the ornate black and white fins of a lionfish. Its pure dark eyes focused on Mark, smiling with meat still between the teeth. I know you are still hungry. That's all I have, Benny. The monster seemed to pout while it brought the hypnotic tail down to cause a big splash, drenching Mark. Jesus! Alex screamed. He scrambled backward, falling on the ground. The thing crawled fast out of the water until it was face to face with Alex, teeth dripping. Its guttural breath rattled. Benny, no, not for you! The thing called Benny looked at Mark. Back! Mark demanded, while Benny snapped her horrible teeth at Alex as she slinked back into the water. Good, Mark soothed. More? Promised more? She said sadly, her whole body submerged. I know, Benny. I'll be back with more tomorrow. The way back from the grotto was not as treacherous, despite the rain coming in a full downpour and the narrow path starting to flood. Alex sat in the passenger seat of the car, shaken on the ride home. How could he go back to his life seeing what was in the grotto? 
How could he move on knowing his father lured people to be eaten by that thing? Why don't you kill it? Alex asked. Why don't I blot out the sun or knock the moon out of the sky? I can't, Alex. She brings rain. Without the rain, the valley dies. With the rain, people die, Alex said before returning to the silence of the ride. Alex walked through the door, vowing never to come back to this place. Who would believe him if he told anyone what he saw? He wasn't entirely sure how to return to the grotto if he had to provide proof. He would just have to ditch the valley and forget it all. He would write home on occasion. That had been the plan since he was ten anyway. He went to the bathroom to shower the dirt and fear away. He was in there so long that the water began to cool. His skin was raw to the point the starch in his sheets against his body was painful, but he was too exhausted to care. He tried to drift to sleep, but the rot of the odd forest and the grotto lingered as it had all night. The stink of the night stayed in the house because his mother preferred fresh, stagnant summer air which never caught a breeze. He threw the sheets off to close a few windows when he saw the shadow from the corner of his eye. He laughed at his paranoia until she suddenly stood in front of him, naked on human legs. She looked nothing like the monster in the grotto. She was beautiful, except for those unblinking black eyes which kept him from forgetting about the real thing she was, the beast in the grotto. I am no pet, she said, her voice seductive and sweet. Mark met me when he was too young to understand me. Generations of your men paid the proper respects because they know who I am. I sang to the first ships that came to this place before they stole the water and trapped me in a pit. Please, Benny, I don't care about what I saw. Just go. Let me go. But I sacrificed my true voice to be here. I walk on knives for you. She walked closer, each step pained and hobbled, her smiling human mouth doing little to hide her horribly sharp teeth. How are you going to repay me, Alex? The police knocked on Alex's apartment door. The way they held their hats in their hands and failed to meet his eyes told him all he needed to know. They found the bodies of Mark and Karen, his mother and father. The torrential rain and the flood in the valley was declared one of the worst natural disasters in history, earning his little quiet place in the world big celebrity-run telethons and news coverage for a week. The insurance people should be in contact soon. We are sorry for your loss, son, the more stoic officer said. The door opened, letting in a beautiful girl holding a bag of groceries and a cane. She took in the bad news with shining, unblinking dark eyes as she held Alex in comfort. Nature is so cruel, she said to no one in particular. It is, Benny, it is, Alex said quietly, running his fingers on the healing cuts on his bicep. Outside, the rain began to mist.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Benny was written by Candice Evans, narrated by Persephone Rose, edited by Carl Hughes and music by Chris Zabriskie and Tom Robson. Hey you, listener, you lovely, lovely listener you. Do you use Twitter, Facebook? What about Instagram? Great. You're a being of the world. You're a futuristic go-getter. And we want to hear from you. What's been your favourite story? Who is your favourite narrator? Which theme just did it for you? Or use the hashtag, the other stories, all one word, and let us know what you think. Or you could always go to iTunes, drop us a quick review, and leave us a quick message that way. Either way, we would love to hear your thoughts. Until next time.